0: Well, um, I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed stepping into a new year this year. Something about a new year just invigorates um, some energy and some passion in me. And um, what's, what you know about me is, uh, at least those of you who are aware of me and my family, the, the fabulous five, the Welch Nation, um, I've got three little girls, ages 10, 8, and 6, and um, I am always trying to explain things to them. Um, in such a way that a six-year-old would understand, which is, which is great um, practice for a preacher, right? Because if I can explain it to a six-year-old, then, then surely I can explain it to you. And help. And so I'm talking to my girls um, this, this past week about, um, about the new year and exactly what a year is. And they're asking questions about, why is it a year, Daddy? And why do we have a year? And this and that. And so I get super um, astronomical on them. And I say, well, you have to understand that the earth is a planet within the solar system. And the way that this thing works is that the earth um, is in an orbit around the sun. And what constitutes a year is when the earth makes one lap, makes one trip around the sun. That's how we have um, a year. In fact, um, I've got a picture I want to show you. Um, this is an image of um, our solar system or to scale, essentially, of the different planets in our solar system in relationship to the size of the sun. The sun's pretty big, right? Um, it's huge. Um, it's incredibly huge. and um, And we are... Um, see a little earth there, like the size of a, if you can see that, like a little pin drop. We're 93 million miles, yes, million miles away from the sun. We're just the perfect distance that if we were any closer, we would burn up, the earth would burn up. If we were a little further away, everything would freeze. So we're just in that perfect distance away from the sun, 93 million miles. Now, when we make a lap around the sun, um, it's, well, what astronomers tell us is that the distance that we travel in that trip around the sun is 584 million miles in 365 days, and I just had to ask how how fast are we traveling if we're if we're going to make a trip of 584 million miles around, around the sun in a year? And here's here's the answer: right now we are traveling 67,000 miles an hour. Is that crazy? I mean, I know you look like you're sitting still, you know, but you, we're moving sixty-seven thousand miles um, an hour, which is just just absolutely um, n- nuts. And the reason why we don't feel it is because there isn't really hardly any friction in, in, in space, and so we're we're moving so fast around um, around the sun that we don't feel it. But here's here's what's interesting to me: that throughout this whole experiment, you're like, why are you doing this, Pastor Ethan? Well, the reason that I bring this all up is that I'm actually grateful that we have years. (laughs) I'm grateful that we have seasons. I'm grateful that we have different seasons that we go into. And I'm glad that God designed it in such a way where we have different years. Imagine if we didn't have any years and there were no seasons and it was just like day 13,472. You know, I mean, how lame would that be? But I'm grateful that God has designed the the world in such a way and our experience as humans in such a way that we have seasons and we have rhythms that we go through. And these rhythms and these seasons are intentional, which means as we step into a new year, it's an intentional season for this new year as we begin a new year. And here's what I'd like to teach on today is a principle that Paul helps us understand which is the principle of spiritual progress. Spiritual progress. And what I mean by that is Paul... Um, and he's the author of our text for today. He's the early, one of the early leaders of the church. He's actually in an interesting situation in this moment. He's in prison. This is one of his letters that he was writing from prison. And the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers in the first century in the city of Philippi, helping them to understand how to make spiritual progress in their lives. And here's what's interesting is that um, these believers, as is similar to our case, I don't know what your year was like last year or the year before, but he's writing to a group of believers who it isn't necessarily easy in their minds to make spiritual progress because of the circumstances that they're facing. You ever feel like in your life it's hard to make spiritual progress because of the things that are going on in your life? Am I the only one? Am I? We can. You can talk back to me today. Um, You ever feel like you're in a situation where, you know, it's hard to make spiritual progress and it feels like the circumstances in your life aren't maybe conditioned to help you make spiritual progress? And so Paul's writing to a group of believers and he's in a situation too and he's in like the worst possible, the most horrible kind of situation you could imagine in a prison cell and he's writing to people even in the midst of chaos and turmoil and challenge and pain about how to make spiritual progress um, in their life. And here's what, um, I'll read the verse for you again. I love the way that he starts this out. And he says this, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. The word here perfection means like completion in a spiritual sense, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Here's what I love about the apostle Paul. He says that all of us are on a journey, a spiritual journey, and it's a process. Okay. Um, Somebody say it's a, it's a process. Look to your neighbor and tell <laughs> tell the person that's in, I know you love it when I do this and tell them. Tell them you're in process. You're in process. You're in process. And some of you, like your spouse, you're like, oh, I know my spi- spouse is in, in process. Let me tell I can tell you about my spouse and the process that they are in. I, Here's 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 the reality: is that all of us, all of us, regardless of how smart you are, rega- regardless of how spiritual you are, regardless of your religious, non-religious, spiritual, non-spiritual, church, non-church, whatever, all of us are in process. Which means the journey that we we're, we're all on a journey, and even the Apostle Paul himself, for all people, for crying out loud, he says, "I haven't arrived yet. I haven't achieved it yet. But I'm in." Process. And Paul says, I'm trying to make spiritual progress in my life. And we're all in process and we're all on this journey. And I love that Paul acknowledges that he is still becoming what he wants to become. He's still becoming what God wants him to um, become. And I think sometimes we get so fixated on like, um, some of the decisions in our lives and some of the things that we have to try to uh, figure out and like, do, do I need to date this person or this person? Do I need to take this job or that job? Do I need to move here? Do I need to move here? Do I need to buy this house or buy that house? Do I need to make this business decision? All those things are important, but I'll say it this way. I think God is more concerned about who you're becoming than where you're going. Like we get so fixated on, oh my gosh, I got to make the right decision. I got to, you know, this, this or that. And yes, I do believe that God is in the details, but I think more than that, God is concerned about your becoming than where you're going. Does that make sense for anybody? He's concerned about the becoming aspect of your life. And and honestly, I don't think God is like, like, like stressed out right right now about what you're going to eat for lunch. Like, you know, if they really they got to make the right decision for lunch today because if they pick the wrong restaurant, you know they're just going to be doomed. And I don't think he really I don't think he really cares that much. I, I think he's I think he's I think he, eat wherever you want to eat. You know, as long, as long as it's it's a new year, eat healthy. Um, but like, I think he's more concerned about the kind of person that you're becoming than necessarily exactly where you are going. Can I ask you a pastoral question as we begin 2022? Who are the, who, who's the kind of person that you're becoming? You know, who, who, who's the kind of person that you're becoming? Who, who's the kind of person that you want to become? And here's, here's, here's the good news is that everybody, under the sound of my voice, has the ability to become what God wants you to become. Everybody, everybody has, there's no like off limits. You don't have an asterisk on your name because you're wearing a Panthers jersey today. You know, I mean, there's, you don't, because of your situation or because of your circumstance, you know, it's like, you know, this person can't really qualify. No, everybody um, is a candidate for spiritual progress. Now, here's what's interesting about the way that the Apostle Paul says this, is that he says it's a process, which means Spiritual progress in our lives is going to require intentionality. Paul is essentially saying, you don't just wake up tomorrow becoming the kind of version of the person that you want to become. That's not how it happens. The Apostle Paul says that, that it, it takes intentionality, that I've got to do some, some work for this. I've got, to, I've got to actually do some effort to, to, to do this. Now, there's two camps of, of Christians on, on this, Okay. And I'm gonna pick on both of them. On one hand, are the, the group of Christians who are saying, well, you know what? God is, He's sovereign in your life, and He's producing and working everything in your life, exactly what He wants to do, regardless of what, what, what you do. On the other uh, end of the spectrum is the people that, no, you, you better work hard, and, and you've got to produce everything that you need to produce in, in your life because it's, it's up to you. The reality and the truth is, is that it's, it meets, we meet in the middle is that God, yes, is at work in your life. He's producing things in your life, but then you join him and you work alongside him. That's why the Apostle Paul would say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's what that means is that it, it, it takes your work. Like I, I wish I could say, you know, well, just, just pray about it, you know, and you'll be fine tomorrow. You know, just, you don't to really have to, no, it, ta- it takes work. If you want to become the kind of spouse that God wants you to become, it takes work. It takes a lot of selflessness. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of laying down yourself for someone else. If you want to become everything that God wants you to become in your in your sexuality or in your own passion, your own whatever, your own generosity, your own, you name it, your own faithfulness, your own finances. What it takes work. It ta- it takes a lot of it takes a lot of intentionality. And, and Paul says that spiritual progress it, it, it takes. It takes intentionality. And here's what's interesting. Change is automatic, but progress is not. Change is going to happen. I I don't know exactly what you're going to face this year, but change is going to come to your life in 2022. That doesn't necessarily mean that progress is going to come. Change is automatic, but progress is not. What that means is that I've got to be intentional about my own spiritual progress in becoming everything that God wants me to become. I love this word, Um, I'm jacked up today too, by the way. Um, I ran this morning, so I got a lot of energy. Um, I love this word that the New Living Translation uses, and there's different words. It's translated a little bit differently in some of the other translations, but the Apostle Paul says, I'm trying to possess everything that Christ has already possessed in me. Now, now I, I, I love that. What, here's, 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 the good, here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Here's, here's what this looks like for Christianity. Outside of Christianity, your own self-help, your own self-development, your own self-discovery, it's all on you, okay? Just good, good luck, all right? You just got to try hard, and hopefully you become a better person. That's not the way that it works in, in Christianity. In Christianity, the way that it works is that God has actually pursued you. God made you. He, he loved you. He has come to you. Um, Paul would say he has possessed you. What that means is that that means you now belong some translations would say own you now belong to Christ. Christ has already possessed he has made you his own. It's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful analogy and you're like, "Well, how does that work, Ethan?" Well, the way that that works spiritually and the way that the scriptures talk about it is through faith and surrender. Here's what that means. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Came, we just celebrated this at Christmas. Came to earth, entered humanity, took on human form. He lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died, and then he conquered the grave that we could not conquer. Jesus came for you. He came in your place for your sins to save you when you could not save yourself. Here's how Christianity works. Here's how salvation works. You receive that. You say, I need God. I can't save myself. I need Christ as my Savior. When that happens, through faith and surrender, Christ possesses you. He takes you in. You become in his family. He now owns you. He's got a grip on you. He is holding on to you. And everything that was yours, all of that Jesus now has taken on himself, he possesses you. And here's what Paul says. Now my heart and my goal, since Christ has possessed me, I want to possess all of him. What he, what he means by that is that in my, my own finances, I, I want to do this in such a way that it's, it's Jesus all over it. In my marriage, in my relationships, in my, my workplace, the way that I talk to my kids, the way that I engage people that are different than me. I want every aspect of my life to have Jesus all over it and to possess what Jesus Christ has already possessed of me. This is the principle of spiritual progress. This is the principle of spiritual progress. Now, I love what the Apostle Paul is getting ready to do next and he says, um, I love this, he doesn't just drop the bomb and say, you need to have spiritual progress in your life. He says, now this is how I do it. Um, don't you love it when somebody tells you this is, this is how to do something? He's, he says, this is, this is how I do it. So it's super simple. Well, not super simple, but super straightforward. He's, he says this in verse 13. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I've not come, I have not really possessed, even in his own life, everything that I want to become. I'm still in progress. I've not achieved it, but... Even though I'm in process, I focus on this one thing. And then he says this, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. He uses a metaphor here, an athletic metaphor. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is Calling us. So how does how does Paul say that you and I experience spiritual progress in our lives? This is what he says. It says he says, focus. Spiritual focus. Spiritual focus. The way that he progresses and becomes everything that God wants him to become, he says, is through spiritual focus. Now, what what is focus? We know that focus means when you are locked in on something. Focus means when you are singularly, um, have your eyes, on, your vision on one specific thing. That's what focus is. You ever use a camera and it was out of focus and you're like trying to take a picture of something, but you've got the wrong thing in, in focus. And so the thing that you're looking at is actually blurry, that it's out of, of focus. Paul, Paul says, I'm singularly looking at, at one thing. I'm focused spiritually in order to see spiritual progress in, in my life. And for you and I, with our two eyes, we can only focus on one thing at a time. Did you know that? Did you, have you ever tried to focus on more than two things at the same time? Like, I'm, I don't mean like like metaphorically. I mean like quite literally. So let's do this. All right, take your two fingers. Everybody, this we're going to do, class participation. Take your two fingers everybody in the room, and I want you to hold them at about eye level, and um, I want you to, you know, not too far away from your body, but you know, just maybe a foot or so, uh, and about 12 inches apart, and try to focus on both of your fingers at the same time. Can you do that? You now, uh, let's make it a little bit easier. Let's go six inches, all right, now try. Can you still do it? No. All right, let's, let's go one inch. Can you do it now? Uh. Not really. Now put them together. Now you can focus. Your your eyes are designed in such a way that you only have the ability to focus on one thing at a time. Now we're different than the dragonfly, right? Anybody like dragonflies? I'm super weird, and I I like dragonflies. I I sit in my backyard at the house and. My wife says I'm a contemplative. I like to sit in the backyard and I've got a bird feeder and I like to watch the little Carolina chickadees come and eat bird seed and and I I love that. But if you've ever been super still around dragonflies and you can even hold out your arms, what will happen is that a dragonfly will actually land on your hand. It's pretty fascinating. It's awesome. I super geek out on that. And what's interesting about dragonflies and the way that the eyes work of a dragonfly is a dragonfly can see in 360 degrees around them at all times that at all times they can see behind them, in front of them, both sides, and they have the ability to focus on all that at the exact same time. Now, what's different about us is we don't have that ability, um, which is probably a good thing. Uh, We can only focus on one thing at a time. And the Apostle Paul says that spiritual focus means that we're locked in on one thing that our vision is directed at one thing in one direction it's singular vision towards something and then he says the enemy of your spiritual focus is and this is exactly what he says the enemy of your spiritual focus is your past it's your it's it's your past he 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 says he says it's 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 your enemy he says you can't look forward and you can't have spiritual focus um, when you are looking at your your past. And so here's 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 what he's I thought this was a little bit harsh when I first read it. What does he say about your past? Forgetting the past. I'm like, that's a little harsh, Paul, okay? I mean, if you understood everything that I've been through, if you understood what people are going through, how dare you say forgetting. Uh, the past. How could, he, how could he say that? Well, what you have, to, you have to understand about the Apostle Paul is he has a worse past than you could say almost anybody in the room. If you remember the story about the Apostle Paul, before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, when Jesus literally knocked him off his horse, um, he was in the business of killing Christians. That was literally his job. The rig- religious establishment of Judaism paid him to go around the Greco-Roman world and to kill Christians. That's pretty bad, right? On like the bad scale. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awful. Then imagine trying to do the work of Jesus and being a leader in the church when you used to kill church people. Like for, for a minute, just like imagine trying to get over that. I, I, I imagine like, I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine how long it took him to even get up the nerve to, to walk into a church building. We, we even know from some of the scriptures in the New Testament that when Paul first showed up after he met Jesus and told people that he was now like a leader of the church, people told him to get out. People said, are you kidding me? We don't want anything to do with you. Are you, you, what are you, are you, are you serious? Imagine the kind of trauma that it took, that the Apostle Paul had to, to, to get over in order to actually get to a point of even trying to lead people in the very thing that he was trying to destroy. When Paul says forgetting the past, he's not trying to minimize your past. He's not trying to overlook it. He's not trying to say it's not important. He's not trying to to say it's not a big deal. But what, here's, here's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand. It's the principle of spiritual forgetfulness. Spiritual forgetfulness. When the Apostle Paul says forget the past, he's not talking about some kind of spiritual amnesia. Um, you've seen Men in Black, the movie. He, he takes out the neuralizer. It's got the little red light on the end, and, and he clicks the button. And then for the last 30 seconds, everybody that looked at that little red has no memory or re- recollection of what happened. He, he's not saying... You need to have spiritual amnesia and act like your past didn't happen. What he's talking about is changing the way that you relate to your past, the way that you think about your past, the, the kind of relationship that you have with uh, your past. And here's what's interesting: as we look, as you see this the principle of spiritual forgetfulness in the Bible, we even see God do this. It's it's fascinating. Um in, in Hebrews um it says this, God says, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and he says this, I will remember their sins no more. Now, if you're a logical person, you're like, hold on, God's omniscient. He knows everything. God can't, you know, God can't. It doesn't mean that God, all of a sudden, he's like, You were a sinner? Wow, I had no idea. I don't know anything that you did in your life. Wow, I just thought you were just a perfect person. It doesn't mean that that God, like, forgot. It means that God changed the relationship between him and your past. Your past and your relationship between him and your past now changed. Which, which means that the way that God sees your past, the way that God relates to your past, has fundamentally changed. And God's no longer holding you hostage to your past or treating you according to your past, but God has already moved past it, focused on who you can become in your future. He's not, hold, he's not holding you hostage. He's not tied up in, in your past and in your failures. He, he's, he's not... He's, He's not so fixated on the divorce and on the failed business venture and what happened to you and the abuse and this and and, and that. He's changed the way now that he relates to it. And now that you're in Christ and now that Christ has possessed you, you're moving forward. You're you're moving forward. He's changed the way that he has related to you in that. I love what Jesus says in Luke 9, 62. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow then looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God and so here's here's what Paul's saying if you and I are going to make spiritual progress in our lives it's going to require us to focus on the things that are ahead and change the way that we relate to our past we got to forget the past and we got to move away from the past now this week I was like what's so bad about the past like why does Paul have such a big issue about the past I mean like what's the big deal What's what's the issue? And the more that I thought about this, the more that I kind of processed why I think this is so detrimental for you and me. The reason why Paul wants us to forget the past and to change the way that we relate to the past is because the past will prevent us from becoming what we want to become. And if we're focused on the past, we'll end up recreating the past rather than creating a new future for ourselves. Here's here's I think how how it works. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I'm going to try for about 60 seconds. Um, it's interesting in the way that uh, the past few years I've studied uh, the, what Scripture says about the mind and the mindset. And, and, and then reading different things about the brain and the way that our, our bodies function. And some of you may be into this as well. But your brain and your mind are completely different. They're related, but they're different. Your brain is a tissue. I believe it's an organ. I'm not exactly sure. But I believe it's an organ that's inside your head. Some people say it's upwards of about three pounds. I'll take their word for it. Um, But your brain is an organ inside your head that processes information. It processes information and then it sends signals throughout your body for how your body should respond to said information. Now, that's not what your mind is, your mind is your mindset. It's your perspective, it's your outlook, it's your attitude. It's how. It's, it's the way that you choose to operate uh, with what is happening around you. Your mind is different than your brain. Now, here's what your brain is designed to do. Your brain is ultimately designed for your survival. That's why your brain exists. It's, it's trying to protect you. And so anything that is harmful, any, anything that is potentially hurtful, your brain says... Caution, 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 this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, we need to go a different way, a different way, a different way. Now, your brain is only partially accurate in the information that it receives. You're, you're, if, for instance, if, if you touch the stove, and your your hand touches a hot stove, and you're, you're brain gets the information from your fingers, then that's accurate information that that hot stove is going to be harmful to your body. And so your brain says, pull away from that. But there's other things that your brain doesn't exactly know ex- wh- wh- what, to, what to do with. Uh, your brain isn't necessarily always going to lead you in the right direction. So for instance, all of you who are uh, beginning new gym memberships this week, And starting a new CrossFit um, membership, or uh, my preference, F3. And um, when you... Work out this week, and when you exercise, you are intentionally putting your body in a stressful situation because you recognize that stress on your muscles and on your heart and on your body is ultimately good for you. Now, what does your brain do? <laughs> you start doing a few Merkins, you start getting on the treadmill, you start lifting a few weights, and your brain is like, Stop, 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 bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. See, your brain doesn't know what's going on. It's just taking the pain, and it's telling you to stop it because the brain is saying this is bad for your body. Now, here's what you have to do. Either you give up, and you're like, brain, you are so right. This, <laughs> this exercising, it's a bad idea. And, 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 um, or, or you uh, tell your brain what to think about the information that it is receiving. So I've told this illustration before. When a major league baseball player stands in the batting box and looks at the, pitcher mound, at the pitcher's mound and a 90-mile-an-hour fastball comes barreling towards his face, if that happened to you and me, we would just be freaking out. I mean, like, you just get out of the way. Like. But what a, what a batter has done over years and years and years is it has trained its brain that a baseball moving at 90 miles an hour at him is not actually harmful, but is actually an opportunity. And so the brain has now been conditioned on how it interprets the information that it is receiving. Here's here's how this relates to your past. Things that have happened in our lives that are traumatic and that are challenging, that are painful, your, your brain doesn't want that to happen again. Your brain wants to protect you. And and, and so your brain is going to say, make sure that you stay away from this. Make sure that you stay away from that. That's why if you've ever been harmed by a relationship and you have a new relationship that begins to have similar characteristics, what happens? Your heart starts beating. Your your, your body starts to get uncomfortable because now you're associating this new relationship with a prior relationship. Your brain's telling you, stop, 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 stop. If you operate according to what your brain is telling you, you're never going to be able to experience the kind of relationship that you need to be able to experience with that person. Either your brain will train your mind or your mind will train your brain. And the apostle Paul is saying, you gotta gotta forget the past you got to change the way that you relate to your past. And you can't be fixated at your past and looking at your past and everything that has happened to you. you got to have singular focus. And I'm looking forward on who I want to become. I'm looking forward on what God has in store for me. I'm looking forward for what I want to accomplish and what I want to do and what God is calling me to. Paul says that's the only way that it happens. It, it just can't happen by looking at the past. It has to change. I love the way that Solomon, King Solomon, would say it in the Proverbs. He would say this. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Stay focused. Stay Stay focused. Make sure that your path is straight. Make sure that you eliminate all the distractions. Make sure you get these things out and make sure that you stay focused on what it is that you want to become and God wants you to become in him. Don't let the past uh, cripple you and don't let the past paralyze you. I'll say it this way. Either the past will paralyze you or it will position you. Either it's going to paralyze you or it's going to position you. And the Apostle Paul had to make a fundamental change in the way that he related to his past and everything that he had done and everything that was horrible and everything that was bad. He didn't let it paralyze him. He, he believed that God was using all those things, even as horrible as they were, to position him to be a minister of the gospel to be a leader of the church, that everything that he had experienced and everything that he had done would actually position him to reach people who didn't understand how to relate to God apart from the law. And that he was gonna have a new way of explaining and sharing with people what it means to, to know God and to have a relationship with him. Your past will either paralyze you or it will position you. And if you were consumed by your past, you'll never have the ability to to execute what you need to execute in the present. Can I do another sports analogy? Um, sorry, I'm a sports guy. And um, for those of you who have ever played golf before, um, I love golf, and I'm not that great, I'm okay, but I'm, I'm not that great at it. Um, basketball, I'm amazing at. I mean, it was just, it was, this past week I was dunking on guys, I mean, it was, it was awesome, I was playing ball with these guys, but um, anyways, back to golf. Um, if you've ever played golf, um, it's, it's like one of the most um, painful games ever just because it's so hard. But um, I, I have a tendency to kind of push it. I leave the club face a little bit open because it's slightly behind and then causes a spin to make the ball go out to the right, either into the fairway, or sorry, the right side of the fairway into the rough, um, or sometimes the next hole beside it. And um, now here, here's, here's, what, here's what happens. I mean, you just pushed one and sliced it in, in, into the rough. So the next time that I get on the tee, the next hole, I get onto the tee, and guess what I'm thinking? Okay, Ethan, don't you, you pushed it on the last hole, all right? So don't, don't push it. Make sure that you close your club face when you come to Okay, so don't, don't push it. And then, then get this, guess what happens? I push it. I put, why? Well, because I was just conditioning myself with what happened previously, and that's what my focus was on, and that's what I was thinking of. The greatest athletes, the greatest golfers in the world, they have the amazing ability of forgetfulness. They they can't remember what they just they 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 can't remember that they just missed the shot. They've got to execute the shot in 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 the moment. A professional quarterback, if throws an interception and and there's a pick six, when he get when he takes the, the next hike, he can't be remembering that because he's got to execute the pass in that moment. You will not be able to become everything that you want to become and everything that God wants you to become if you're fixated on the past. You've got to change your relationship with it. Paul would say you've got to forget um, the past. You've got to forget the past. And then you've got to focus on who it is you want to become. Who do you want to become this year? Who do you want to become? What's the kind of person that you want to become? And even Paul says, we're, none of us are going to reach perfection, okay? That's not the goal. But, but how, how can I make progress this year? How can, how can I make progress in some of my, my relationships? How can I make progress in my marriage? How can I make progress in my my finances, in, in my relation, in whatever it is, in my own struggles, my own whatever it is, substances, addiction, uh, lust. Wh- wh- how, do I, how do I make progress? How do I make spiritual progress this year and in the days ahead? Paul says you gotta be focused you got to be focused. you got to have your eyes intent on what it is you want to become. And you've got to visualize. He says looking ahead, looking forward like the runner. The runner isn't looking at the path. The runner's looking forward at the finish line, envisioning what it means and what it looks like to actually cross the finish line. Paul says, spiritually speaking, who is it that you want to become? What is the kind of person? And visualize that and let your focus be on that. And then make steps and progress in that direction. And here's the last point I'll say. It's this. Your life is always moving in the direction of your focus. Your life is always moving in the direction of your focus. You're just going to become whatever you focus on. You ever bought a car before? You get a new car, and then um, all of a sudden, everywhere you drive, that, that car is like everywhere. Like, now, when you bought that car, does that mean that um, everybody else in the city bought the exact same car at the same time? No. What that means is that um, once you bought that new car, that began, you begin to have a focus of that, and now you see it everywhere. You know, if you're, if you got a, I, I. so Hillary, um, who's on our staff, she drives a, um, a Honda, what's the, what's the name of the minivan? Odyssey, it's a minivan, and um, there's like four million of them in Wilmington. I mean, because like, every, I like wave, and I'm like, hey, Hillary, like, is, if we're passing, and I'm like, that wasn't Hillary, okay, I was like, but. But I, but I'm like that because I'm expecting her to, and so I see it. I, I see it every, everywhere that I go. You, whatever you're focused on, is what you will form. What you focus on is what you will form. And Paul says, "Hey, Paul says, hey, we don't have time to look at the past. We don't have time to, to, to be focused. We got to look forward. We got to, got to be looking forward. We got looking at what lies ahead and what God wants us to become and what He wants us to." to do. And that's how spiritual progress is made in our lives. One last, one last illustration. Um, my wife and I, we, we love it when the Olympics roll around every four years. Anybody, anybody fans of the, we love the Olympics. It's amazing. And um, you know, the, uh, the Winter Olympics, I still haven't figured out what curling is. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what those guys are doing with the brooms and stuff. But, um, but, but with, the, with the Summer Olympics, we, um, our, our favorite competition is swimming. Um, I mean, it's, it's just so, it doesn't matter like who it is or what the race is. It's just like, and, and the reason is because it's always so close, isn't it? It's so close. I mean, it's like somebody beats someone else by like .001, like hundreds of a second that they beat some. Now, here's what you will never see an Olympic swimmer do. On the last lap, look back to see who's close. You, you you never you never see that. It would like drive me crazy if I was a swimmer. I'm like, am I winning? I don't know if I'm winning. Am I close? And like, how far ahead am I? Are they close to me? Like, what? A swimmer recognizes that looking backwards gives them no positive advantage for what they're trying to accomplish. There are only negative consequences for a swimmer to look backwards. And they just keep stroking and stroking one after the other. And not until they touch the wall do they get up and they look behind. It's the same spiritually. If you want to have progress in your life, it's going to require you to stay focused on what it is that God wants you to become. And overcoming your past and what you have done or what's been done um, to you. Church, I would pray for you today that... um, This year, um, this is, it's not a New Year's resolution sermon, you know, I'm not trying to like pep you up, you know, but I am trying to encourage you what spiritual progress can look like in your life, and my prayer for you, um, even in the midst of the chaos that we're experiencing right now in our world and in our city, is that um, you'd be focused on what it is that God wants you to become. There's so many distractions the past is so significant. Um, It's important that we look forward. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name today, I pray that you would strengthen us to be able to have the kind of focus that you want us to have, to accomplish what it is that you want us to accomplish, to become what you want us to um, become. And God, I'm believing today that every single person in the room, every single person online has the ability to become what you want them to become. So God, give us singular focus, help us to focus on you, help us to envision the kind of life that you want us to have, help us to pursue uh, the the, the goal, the the finish line for the race that we are in and what we're pursuing, what we're trying to accomplish. And so Father, would you uh, strengthen us um, as as we do this in Jesus' name, amen.